I'm Sean Heath, and this is Transforming Sport. Um, but it's just simple practices, yeah, of, of um, getting people to exercise um, and, and giving them education around why it could potentially help. Because I think one of the first questions you get when you talk to kind of gamers, a, a kind of amateur aspiring, aspiring pro scene is why the hell would I want to exercise if I want to get better? This is the voice of Jamie Kiff, co-founder of the eSport health and performance company, G-Science. Um, but when you start kind of framing the narrative around the, the cognitive benefits of how, you know, you're spending all your time uh, playing in-game. Uh, but if there's, you know, if, if there's lots of holes in the ship uh, and you're kind of band-aiding the holes in the ship uh, as long as you can, then eventually the ship's going to sink. So um, that's kind of the narrative that I tell. And, uh, you know, if you've got a strong, sturdy ship with good nutrition, good sleep, good recovery, um, you've got some sort of exercise in there, then the ship's much more likely to, to be, be afloat for much longer. This week, we have our second installment on the topic of esports. In March of 2021, Jamie Kiff, co-founder of G-Science, delivered a virtual guest lecture to sport management degree students at the University of Brighton. There, he spoke about his experiences working outside of academia in the startup industry, working with professional esports athletes to develop healthier practices in the professional gaming industry. With a background in sports science and human kinetics and a master's degree in strength and conditioning from Loughborough University, he's been applying notions of bodily health and well-being to gamers, who are often stereotyped as the antithesis of high-performance athletes in other sports. Through outlining his own educational journey, he highlights some of the practical industry skills he developed as a strength and conditioning student, skills he now applies to work with professional esports athletes and coaches. After his lecture, Jamie joined me to further discuss esports and how he is attempting to transform the industry. Parts of his conversation are interspersed throughout this lecture. I hope you enjoy this episode. First guest speakers this semester, we are very happy to have Jamie with us today. And um, but let me just tell you a little bit more about the guest speaker today. And Jamie is a co-founder of uh, G Science Company. And uh, I met Jamie a couple of months ago and really enjoyed our conversations. Uh, meanwhile, so I'm very excited for him to talk more to you today about esports. Because esports is very rapidly developing field, and I'm sure that many of you guys here know much more about esports than me. So I'm very curious and uh, very excited to learn more. And what I really like about Jamie's company is the fact that they are trying to really focus on health and mental side of the game and not only provide athletes with uh, good performance tools, but actually make sure that such athletes are happy which very often is not the case in professional sport. So in this talk, Jamie will discuss his education and his career so far and uh, what lessons he learned. Because at this young age, uh, he already managed to achieve quite a lot. So I am excited for him to share his experiences so far. So uh, Jamie, over to Hello. you. Fantastic. Well, thank you for that introduction, Anastasia. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I guess I'll begin then, if that's okay, Anastasia. Yes, absolutely. Okay, fantastic. Well, um, firstly, thank you very much for having me on stage. It's actually a pleasure to be here. And hello, everyone watching and listening. Um, so my name is Jamie Kiff, and I'm the co-founder uh, of G-Science. Uh, and to give you a little bit of information about G-Science, so G-Science is an esports performance and health company, uh, and our mission is to 
create healthier, happier, and more successful gamers. Um, we have two sides of our business, which includes the kind of performance coaching side of things with players, uh, teams, and organizations. And then we also have the, the product side of things with our athlete monitoring system that we're developing for esports players that's still um, currently in the developmental stage. Um, so that's a little bit about the company. Uh, and the kind of way I'm going to break the presentation up is I'm going to go into kind of my journey and my background, a little bit about my sporting background and chat about my university and placement kind of um, experience. And then kind of the lead up into, into G science, how the whole company started and, you know, how we got to this place now where we are. So uh, a good place to start really is uh, with my kind of background in academy football. Um, so from the age really of kind of eight to 16, uh, eight to 16, played for various kind of football clubs, including QPR, uh, Fulham, and also Aldershot. I don't have a photo for that, but just believe me, I did play from that at some point. Um, now, it might not look like I, uh, I was enjoying it, uh, but it's something that, you know, I really wanted to, uh, to pursue. Uh, and, you know, I had that classic cliche dream of wanting to become a professional footballer like every young lad does these days. Um, but obviously now we're talking about esports, so we won't go into too much detail about that. Um, going back to the kind of playing side of things, uh, played academy football really until the age of kind of 16, 17, and then realized it wasn't really for me. It wasn't something that I wanted to pursue. Um, unfortunately, uh, I actually ruptured my ACL at the age of 17 playing rugby, which obviously when you're playing academy football and then going and playing for your school at rugby is not a very smart idea. Um, so that kind of brought me to a halt with regards to my playing career. Um, but if you've experienced um, or know anything about an ACL rupture and, and the recovery process, it's not an enjoyable um, process. Uh, it's quite mentally and physically taxing. You know, for me, being an individual who played sport for you know every day of my life, and I think like the longest I've ever gone out play, longest I've ever gone without playing sports, probably uh, probably seven days. So to not play at all um, was a real struggle, and it, it was a real difficult time for me. But I suppose. You know, what I really took away from it was the kind of recovery process. Um, and, you know, it, it really gave me an exposure to that whole rehabilitation process and um, how, how you can get back to where you are and, and certain things, whether it's proprioception, muscle development, muscle strength. It's something that, you know, I became quite passionate about. Um, and then following this um not wanting to pursue the professional football side of things, uh, you know, I decided that I wanted to, to go and study sports science at, at Loughborough. So 2018, I went and studied at, at Loughborough University um, where, yeah, I did sports science, which I found very interesting at the time. Um, we're still recovering from my kind of ACL injury, so I didn't, didn't go and play football at all. Um, really, it was just kind of figure out what I wanted to do. But to be honest with you, at this moment in time, I literally had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, so I went to Loughborough, came to the end of my first year. Again, had no idea what I wanted to do, but kind of had a bit of a, an interest in the business side of things at this point. So um, wanted to wanted to kind of see where that could go. Second year came around and then, you know, you had to start thinking about placement year. Uh, and again, I literally didn't know what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure if I wanted to go down the business side of things or the sports science route. Um, but in the end, I decided to go with the kind of sports science side of things uh, and ended up going to, to Bath University to do 
a uh, sports science internship where I kind of uh, focused on the strength conditioning side of things. Me on the left hand, bottom left hand side there with some of the the younger uh, tennis players that I got to work with, which was a really rewarding experience. To be honest, the entire year was absolutely amazing. Um, not only because I got to meet so many amazing people, but uh, it also taught me some really invaluable life skills. Like for, for me at that stage in the game, I hadn't really gone out and worked in like a proper working environment. I'd been in academia my whole life. So it was a, a real kind of eye opener and, and gave and helped me to develop lots of skills that I, you know, I use today, whether it's, you know, talking to people, how to get um, the most out of people, how to motivate people. Um, you know, and even though I'm not a strength conditioning coach now, it was such an invaluable experience for me um, to learn a lot of life skills. And, you know, I always say to people, you know, if you have the opportunity to do a placement year, do it because I learned so much in that year and probably more in my first, more than my first and second year as well. So, um, yeah, I would definitely suggest doing a placement year if you have the opportunity, obviously COVID permitting. But, uh, yeah, that's just my, my take on things with regards to that. Um yeah, looking back on it a little bit more, I think the reason why it was so useful is because it really took me out of my comfort zone. Um, I remember starting on on the first day as a strength and conditioning intern, and you know I hadn't really had that much coaching experience at all. I don't think I had any coaching experience at that point. Um, I just had an understanding of sports science, and I was put in the deep end working with uh, a massive group. I think it was twenty. Um, 10 to 12 year olds is I'd never worked with anyone before. And I was like, right, what do I do with these individuals? But um, it was such a good experience and set me up really well for the rest of the year. And to be honest with you, that that was probably the most difficult thing that I did the entire year, you know, and that might sound stupid, but, and I was working with some like semi-professional and professional tennis players throughout the year, but that kind of starting place was so good for me because um, it really took me out of my comfort zone and the rest of the year, I, I, you know, for me, I found it much easier. So it was almost a good thing that I started off with the hardest thing. Um, but yeah, the, 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 as I said, the year provided me with some really good real world experience outside of academia uh, and gave me experience working with athletes and also the general public. Um, I got to work with some uh, really high profile tennis players. Um, helping to perform them to play, got to go to, to Wimbledon, which you can see there, or Wimbledon Qualies, which is at Roehampton in the top left-hand corner there. So I got to go uh, with with Liam, if any of you follow tennis and know Liam Brody. So I got to go uh, to Wimbledon with him, which was fantastic. Um, all in all, the year was absolutely great. But, you know, after finishing it, people asked me, so you want to become an S&C coach now? And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> I, I don't. I, and the people are like, well, you, you know, you, you've wasted a year. And I was like, well, well, not really, because for me, I learned so much in terms of skills that I can apply to other industries. And again, it might be cliche, but the, the amount of things that I learned on that year and the amount of things that I apply now in the job that I do is is monumental. And, you know, it it helped me understand what I didn't like, what I did like, what I was good at and what I wasn't good at. So for me, it was such an invaluable year. Um and I also got to meet loads of different people, network with different individuals in the high performance space. And funnily enough, one of the people that when I went to uh, Roehampton to do the, the S&C thing, uh, the S&C side of things, I met the, the gym manager there and he's actually consulting with me now, which is crazy because, you know, at the time I thought he was like up here. Um, so it just goes to show that, you know, networking is so important in the people you meet because, you know, you, you might end up working with them. You might end up, you know, getting advice from them. So, um yeah, it was a really, really good experience for me, but I didn't think it was the one that I wanted to pursue. Um, 
So coming back to, you know, the statement of wasting a year, um, at the end of my, my placement year, um, I got a call from Loughborough asking me if I wanted to come back to and do some strength conditioning. So again, not a waste of time. Great opportunity came about from it. Uh, again, I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do, but I knew that it was a great opportunity to learn, meet new people. It potentially opened up some doors um, for me. And fortunately, a really, again, an amazing opportunity came around for me that I got to to lead the program as a, as opposed to assisting it because the the head S and C coach of tennis left. So you know I got put in the deep end. You know again I to be honest I really didn't know what I was doing at the time, but I learned on the job. Um, you know I learned a lot of lot of important lessons at that stage of how to manage a large group of tennis players. You know more experience with the monitoring side of things, which I'll, I'll talk about more later on in the, the presentation. Yeah, so really again took me out of my comfort zone. Um, came back in final year. Uh, did my final year thesis project, which was looking at blood flow occlusion training, um, which is something that I became familiar with at Bath and something that I did at Bath. Uh, and again, was something that I wish I had during my ACL rehabilitation process because uh, it's a great method to get muscle hypertrophy, so muscle growth without loading the joint, without boring you too much. Um, I then graduated with first class honours, which was great for me because it was something that I really wanted. Um, but still, at that moment in time, I literally had no idea what I wanted to do. Like no idea, like no clue. Um, so I, st I went out, started working odd jobs here and there, um, started doing a bit of coaching. Uh, I worked for like a, what was it? I worked for like a, an investment firm doing like compliance for a bit, which, you know, just wasn't what I wanted to do, but was to just get experience. So I tried to get as much experience as possible working in different industries. Um, and then, you know, I, I just wasn't sure really what I wanted to do. However, in final year, I met a really good friend of mine who's now my co-founder at G Science, Ryan. Uh, we did a lot of work together and we were very good friends. And, you know, we started chatting after university life. Um, and I was like, what are you doing? And he told me that he was working with gamers. And I was like, you're absolutely crazy. What are you doing? Like, why are you working with gamers? Like, you know, they don't need anything. You know, I've played games. I've been, I'm a massive gamer myself. Like, you know, I don't need health and wellness support to be good at gaming. Um, but he told me he started this company uh, called G Science. Um, that's us there on the left-hand side at Loughborough University in Farnier. Um, and he told me, I told him he was crazy what he was doing. Um, however, the more we chatted and the more we spoke about it, I was, I could kind of start to see that, you know, there's a massive opportunity here because, you know, it's something that gamers just don't consider. And there's a lot of low hanging fruit to be taken advantage of that people in this chat probably, you know, you take for granted for in life that gamers just haven't been exposed to. Um, so as, as I learned more about it, I just thought there was an amazing opportunity to apply my skills I'd learned um, from traditional sport to my coaching background and a great opportunity to combine my passion for gaming, which I've always been a massive gamer, uh, and also the um, you know, passion for high performance. Um, uh, so it kind of first started off, as I said, in the amateur scene and then uh, led on to some more kind of some bigger teams, um, semi kind of semi-professional, professional teams. And yeah, myself and my my, my co-founder Ryan, we went out and worked worked in different teams. We brought on some more practitioners uh, within within the within the company, who we now kind of consult out to, to different teams who, who work under our banner. Uh, and personally, I've kind of taken a step back from from coaching quite a bit and more under the, the kind of management role and, and trying to trying to talk to as many players and teams as possible and give them the support they need and then kind of 
using our internal team to, to kind of facilitate uh, those services. So the roles definitely changed with regards to the kind of monitoring side of things. Um, it's really around like well-being. Uh, we have a really cool performance app at the moment that we're using. It's not so it's, it's an app that essentially we can um, provide like accountability uh, with, and it's it's a really really good way of like motivating people and keeping them like accountable to what they're doing. Okay. Because um, more often more often than not, with gamers and esports, it's it's more about having someone there to kind of support you as opposed to you know working in if i compare it to kind of traditional sports and if you're working in say with with traditional athletes and i don't know whether it's rugby or football you know really you're looking to get kind of an athletic adaptation uh, or physiological adaptation which right to be honest with you it's not really what you're looking for in, in gamers uh, unless obviously you're looking for injury prevention it's more around like getting them just to do things and to get into good habits um and you know having something where you can push them of what to do you can speak to them continuously nudge them to do certain things it's just such a great way to get them to be accountable and, and start working towards those habits which you know to us seem very simplistic but to them it's just something that that they've never even heard of so i think it's 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 not really fancy and like glamorous as i think a lot of people think in esports it's it's really back to basics and doing those things really well so funny funny story is that you know when i was younger and i was playing games and i was playing kind of was trying to become a professional footballer a lot of my friends were like jamie like you know you you've got crazy amount of playtime on your games like you've got i remember i had like 52 days playtime on call of duty and some crazy amount of playtime on world of warcraft and i used to get the, the mickey taken out of me um and the same people that used to take the mickey out of me now are like how have you managed to combine both of them together and i'm like i don't know it's just managed to come together so funny story how all things just managed to work out um but yeah as I, as I started chatting to ryan more and we started exchanging like i came on board as a, as a co-founder uh, very early on in the company's lifestyle uh, life life cycle you when we first started, we, we we thought that it was crazy the fact that um, the average career length, and if I don't know how familiar people are here with esports and gaming as a whole, but um, the average kind of career length for an esports player is around three to four years, which we just and personally found monumental given the fact that it's a sedentary activity. Um, and if you compare that to traditional sports where the average career length is probably three or four times that, um, you know, we were kind of thinking like, what is going on here? There must be something wrong. And, you know, we didn't know exactly how we were going to tackle it. Um, but we thought it was something that was worth tackling and something that we were, I don't like using the word passionate because I think it's a bit cliche, but it was something that I was really interested in and thought I had the skills to tackle. So, uh, we went after it. We wanted to understand the problem more. Um, uh, so we, you know, we quickly found out that one of the reasons why is because, um, gamers are trying to get the competitive edge over their foes and, you know, in their heads to do that, they need to play more. Um, so this kind of grind culture has been created in esports and gaming where you have players playing from, you know, crazy hours, anywhere from like eight, even up to like 15 hours a day, um, which is, you know, leading to poor physical and mental health, uh, and ultimately leading to things like burnout, injury, and, uh, early retirement, which is, is, is not exactly very, uh, very good. Um, and those are the sort of things that we've had kind of the most success with and just helping people to get into good routines, understanding that playing, you know, 11 hours a day, 12 hours a day, um, it's probably not the best idea for you mentally or physically. Um, and definitely, right. definitely something that sometimes I don't, I don't preach working in the kind of startup world. Um, you know, you get, you realize that after a certain amount of time, your brain just doesn't function as well. So yeah, both cognitively and physically exhausting to sit in front of a computer and, and play a, 
a cognitively demanding game or if you're doing something that requires a lot of actions uh, per minute like you know hitting Absolutely. keyboard buttons and mouse buttons or, or controller then you, yeah. you, know, you just sort of wear down over time i guess yeah absolutely and i think part of that comes back to the the idea of being mindful as well a lot a lot of people and definitely myself as well you get to the stage where you're just gaming for the sake of it and you're not actually like mindful and being directed with what you're doing and that's just when it just becomes like you know it doesn't become useful for you to keep playing like you might be playing 10 hours a day but what are you actually doing in that time that you're actually playing? Like you could probably get the same out of it by playing five hours a day and being very direct and attentive to what you're doing and having clear goals and set what you want to get out of the day and then going away and relaxing and chilling out for the day. I mean, let your brain recover it means when you come back the next day, you're not at the verge of burning out or <laughs> having some other, other issue that causes you to, you know, eventually, or, you know, in the future to retire that's that's one of the things that we're seeing quite a lot of and we, i think we saw one last week or i think it was two or three weeks ago one of the um pros for dallas fuel had to retire because the kind of routine that he had just had a negative impact on his health he wasn't and i think one of the statements was he wasn't his routine didn't enable him to kind of work out which i just thought was, was ridiculous um and i don't know the full ins and outs of the story so i won't go into too much detail but sure. it's just another instance of where someone's health's been neglected and it's had a had a negative impact on their career and it's like i look at traditional sports and there there is you know there's there are cases where there's burnout don't get me wrong there's you know there's an athlete burnout questionnaire that we've developed um within the kind of psychological realm um and there's there's lots of instances where players do burn out and need time off but yeah certainly i've seen it in swimming (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely but like you look at esports and it's becoming very common now that a player will, you know, come up to Twitter and be like, you know, having to retire now, take some time off because of X, Y, and Z schedule. And it's like, I don't really see that that much in traditional sports. You know, I I don't see players like repeatedly like retiring and taking time off. Like, yeah, there's times when players get injured and there's times where you might be ill, for example, but I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I'm still kind of processing in my head whether or not it's it's a mixture of too much gaming or are we, you know, are they under training? Are they just not right for it? Are they, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one, but it, there's definitely something that, that needs to be done in terms of learning from traditional sports with regards to having certain kind of health practices in place and having minimum standards as to what has to be adhered to. Um, otherwise, you know, the at the top level, they're going to have these people burning out and retiring earlier and earlier and more frequent. So, um, right. Yeah. That's is, something to be learned. Is it, I guess something that's maybe changed in your attitude towards how you originally or initially thought of esports before joining or, uh, co-founding the startup, you know, as just something that well, you sit in front of your computer for 10 hours, 11 hours a day and, and, and grind, uh, sort of yeah. a quantity over, over quality. Um, and then now with things like, um, this app that you're getting this accountability that you're asking of athletes that starts to mirror some of the more, um, traditional structures of professional sport. Yeah, I think before I came into the kind of space on a kind of professional level, I think my attitudes were were not what they were are now. Um, I think that it's especially people looking from the out, outside who aren't necessarily within the space, it's very easy to be like, oh, just gaming, you know, it's just playing long hours, sitting in a dark room uh, in your mom and dad's basement until you, until you win a tournament. It's definitely not like that. And uh, I think that my attitudes definitely changed towards it in the sense that I don't think I when I first started, I viewed, viewed individuals that play um, 
in esports as, as as athletes but the more and more I've, I've worked with gamers and you see you know how the level that in which they're well, the, the cognitive level in which they've attained is 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 monumental and like to, to do that for like even five six hours a day like you know I, I struggle to keep my mental workload to do things that are cognitively demanding for a couple of hours in a day so to do that consistently every day seven days a week it it, it you know they are at their cognitive athletes in their own right now yes you know there's a physical component to being you know athletic but you know even even if you look at the the amount that these individuals are clicking their mouse or using a controller it's you know it's i think it's like about 600 plus um clicks per minute now that doesn't necessarily mean better performance but um the kind of motor and cognitive function that they have is it's just on a different level and it's it's quite interesting actually because there's, there's quite a bit of research coming out or, uh, or new research looking into esports and i've seen some research that does uh looks at gamers but doesn't individualize the kind of cognitive tests to gamers and they just like ace the score so if it's not individualized to the gamer okay mm-hmm. um it just doesn't have there's never going to be any effect because they're already at such a high level anyway um so it's, it's really interesting for people to see that and to have an open mind when they start labeling gamers as athletes or not not athletes because until you've been there and you've worked with them or you you, you spent a bit of time watching them then i think it's unfair to kind of label them as anything um but definitely in my view they are they are cognitive athletes in their own right and need to be supported in a way that that um helps to kind of develop them in their in their own sort of way uh i think that's really important yeah sure so it's it's definitely yeah a professionalization of of gaming so something more traditional we could think of maybe would be like chess right chess grandmasters yeah. professional chess players professional uh, esports athletes yeah i think it, it partly comes down to the, the the stereotypes that are associated with the activity if you if you think of chess from a now obviously i don't want blanket sweepstake here but if you think of chess and people playing chess you think oh they must be smart they must be intelligent mm-hmm. so playing the activity and doing the activity for x amount of hours is fine but then you you look at gaming like oh gaming must be addicted um it's a negative activity uh, that we can't label it as a sport or whatever we want to call it, but or a um, waste of time or exactly. And yeah. it's like, you don't look at it from this perspective that one, someone could be enjoying it Two, It takes a lot of intelligence to be very good at it. You know, so if you look at the, well, I've even tried to do it myself when you try and play on the level that some of these individuals are there, you know, there's spatial awareness, their pattern recognition, um, their ability to block out, stimuli and, and attend to relevant stimuli is it's just on a completely different level to other individuals so yeah there's definitely there's definitely an element with with addiction and playing for too long but you know you could say the same thing about chess if you're playing for 15 hours a day you know, do you know what i mean like and obviously you can't do that in like football or rugby or cricket or whatever sport it is because you physically couldn't do it um and you, you get to the stage where you would literally be injured whereas you know you can do that in gaming so there is that window to kind of abuse it um but again it's with anything it's like um the, the, the statement i always say is train uh train train uh train smarter not harder yeah <laughs> gaming but so to to kind of understand the problem a bit more we went out well i went out and ryan went out and worked as esports performance coaches um working really with anyone we could working with amateur teams uh working with semi-professional teams you can see here um on the left hand side in the middle i was working i flew out to paris and worked with a, a team called gamers origin uh which is a professional team in france so 
and went out and worked with them to try and really understand what the problems were that esports athletes were facing and how we could kind of use our skills to overcome that. And one of the really important things that we did while we were working with them, and this is kind of where my experience came from, the um, athlete monitoring side of things, which I used at Bath and throughout my time as an SNC coach, was athlete monitoring. Um, so what we do is, or what sports science would normally do, would, would be like daily athlete monitoring or daily wellness, where it just gives you a picture and helps you understand if that individual is re ready to perform or if they're at risk of injury. Um, so it's something we started collecting from the gamers that we were working with. Um, and fortunately, all of the teams that we work with, not saying that I had anything to do with this because um, we work with some teams longer than others, but all the teams we work with were successful in their in their league or um, respective championship, which is fantastic proof of concept for us. Um, it's quite a funny story. We went out and tried to work with uh, a team in a fairly big team in the UK in London. And this was very early on in our journey. They, they turned us down straight away and just said, you know, who are you? Like, who are you? And we were like, yeah, fair play. We, we haven't done anything yet. And then we went out and worked with Gamers Origin and uh, Gamers Origin actually played against that team and absolutely smashed them. So um, it was an absolute, it was, a, it was a good experience where, you know, you beat you, you're the underdog and you beat the people that are that higher up. So that was a, that was a great experience for us. Um, so although this is great and you know the teams were successful we, we kind of realized that there was a massive opportunity in the, in the data side of things and we wanted to take what we'd done with the the wellness and the monitoring side of things and use it with as many gamers and and, and give this you know concept to as many people as possible because we you know we'd successfully used it with with these players and we'd shown how you could use it to monitor to monitor gamers and um kind of enhance their performance by looking at their health um and this is where we came with came up with the idea of Optimal. Um, so Optimal is a, an athlete monitoring system that combines health and in-game data uh, to provide tailored insights into training, injury, wellness, and performance. Essentially, every sports team that's out there, professional sports team out there, will use some version of an athlete monitoring system, essentially to make sure that their players um, are ready to perform or if they're at risk of injury. Um, our idea is very similar uh, in the sense that we're not exactly recreating the will, um, but where our kind of idea is different is that it's specifically tailored to the demands of esports, which when you think about it, aren't necessarily physical, are more kind of mental and cognitive um, and collectively optimal is still in the development process and it's something that we're still working on today. Um, along the way, uh, we've managed to convince a number of high profile individuals that what we're doing uh, is great and we've managed to get them on board, which is always really important and something that I would stress so much. The team, if you are going to start a company and you, you do want to start a business, get a good team behind you, bring on good people because it puts you in such a good position. All of the people you see on that screen there, and I haven't actually got everyone on there, have been so important to help us get to where we are now and honestly probably wouldn't be where we are now without them um, because there are some difficult and hard times that you have to go through where you literally can only see things through your lens and you need other people to come in and maybe give you a little bit of a, a pointer in the right direction. So we brought on Tom, who's our kind of special uh, specialist in product and marketing uh, and has got experience working with some of the biggest esports organizations in the world, such as Cloud9. Uh, we recently brought on, on the left-hand side there, Jason Cowman, who's the head of athletic development for Irish Rugby and is also a co-founder at Kitman Labs, which is a traditional sports athlete monitoring system. So you can imagine why that is quite important for us because uh, helping avoid any of the pitfalls of, of developing that kind of system early on. Also had the pleasure of uh, Dr. Kate O'Keefe, who is an expert in psychophysiology. 
and has worked with some of the biggest esports players and teams in the world, such as Fnatic. Again, amazing experience. So very lucky to have her. Uh, we've also got Conor McGregor's nutritionist on board, Tristan Kennedy. Uh, and then also Spike LeRae, who is a esports industry veteran uh, who's worked at ESL, which if you're familiar with, is the largest esports company in the world. Um, and he's now a venture partner at Hero Capital, which is a hundred million pound esports fund. So you can see why they're all very important team members. And we've managed to convince them that what we're doing is great and they're all on board, which is fantastic. Um, so what have we done today? Um, well, it's been a very interesting ride um, with a lot of up and downs, but there's been some really good times. Um, so as I said, we started in 2000, late 2018. Um, we've created four championship winning teams, which has been fantastic for proof of concept for us. Um, we were accepted and completed the Ignite Accelerator back in 2019. Uh, Ryan was on the Accelerator and completed that in Belfast. Uh, we've consulted with FIFA uh, to aid the development of performance pods, which has taken a little bit of a halt due to COVID. Uh, we've received funding and support from, from Loughborough University, uh, from their enterprise network, and they've been absolutely amazing to us. Like They've really helped us and, and to, to kind of scale the business. Um, we're an official health and wellness partner for the new, if anyone knows who they are, they're essentially the kind of esports gaming body for university students with over 10,000, um, students. So fantastic to have them on board and really understand that, um, kind of audience and how we can support them. And then personally, I sit on the board for the international journal of esports, kind of bridging the gap between, uh, academia and industry, which is obviously a really nice thing to have in the company. Um, what else? So. Uh, back in 2019, we won the clutch uh, competition at ESI, which is essentially a pitching competition uh, for startups in esports. And we pitched, well, Ryan pitched against several other companies who had already uh, received investment. We were, again, very early on at that stage, but we had an amazing vision, amazing, go amazing goal uh, and idea that we wanted to bring into esports. And fortunately, we managed to win that, which was fantastic and you know really helped us to solidify ourselves as the kind of go-to sports science health company uh, in esports. Um, so rather than kind of going out to people, you know, we started having people come to us, which is really nice. Um, we also recently won the uh, Young Innovators Award, um, which is announced by UK Innovate and also the Princess Trust, essentially providing us with like one to one business uh, coaching and also uh, allowance for living costs, which is fantastic. And then more recently, more excitingly, we've just secured a partnership for a well, the, we are the official health and performance partner for Prodigy Agency, which is uh, the world's largest talent agency for esports players. They represent some of the biggest um, esports players in the world with a collective reach of over 30 million uh, and have 90 players on their roster. So we'll be looking to kind of scale the coaching side of things with them as we move forward into uh, 2021 and hopefully have as many as their players on board as possible. Um, and then we have a number of other exciting things to announce in the coming weeks, which I'd love to announce now, but unfortunately I can't. Um, but yeah. It's been uh, that's kind of the progress and, and the logos there, which I thought was really nice to have and show you where we've come from to where we are now. Uh, obviously, the logo look, looks a bit different, and uh, have to thank our, our uh, esports uh, e expert Tom and how good he is with marketing to, to get us to where we are now. Um, so, what are the kind of goals for the future for us then? Uh, really, we have very ambitious goals to be seen as the kind of world leaders uh, in sports science. Uh, and esports and to help as many gamers as possible really to kind of take control of their health uh, and optimize their performance it will take some time uh, and i think there's 
definitely steps in the right direction. You know, orgs are investing millions of pounds into facilities, into coaches, um, which is, you know, hopefully will have a knock on effect to the kind of aspiring, aspiring pro recreational scene with, you know, younger individuals being very, being heavily influenced by their kind of favorite players, not necessarily the orgs, but the, the, the players themselves. So I think having players that really, you know, overtly, um, advocate for health and wellness and how it's helped them is, is a really important thing. Um, something that we, 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 we try to do is, is, is get the, the pros that we work with or anyone that we work with to kind of talk about it because I think one of the things as well is that it might not be seen as cool. It's one of the things we, we kind of debate is that, you know, health and wellness for gamers, it's not cool. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not trendy. Right. So you're trying to, trying to make it cool and, and like make it part of the culture is something that I think would be good to get towards because then it will start to be, Oh, you know, instead of, Oh, why are you doing that? Like, why would you be doing exercise? That's not what we do. That's not part of our identity as a, as a gamer, but you, you're getting more and more people now like the pro scene or influencers that are, you know, are advocating for health and wellness and are showing that they, they you can do it alongside gaming. So I think that's really important as well. Um, another, another interesting thing that I, that I always consider is the fact that a lot of coaches, uh, in the scene, in the professional scene, ex players. And if you think about that in terms of how health and wellness is disseminated through them, like you think five, 10 years ago in esports, health and wellness was non existent. Like having a about, psychologist yeah. or having like a, an SNC coach uh, or anyone for that matter, it just didn't happen. So if you think about the coaches that are in place there, like are they going to disseminate what they think or disseminate their experience from, from them being a pro? And don't, don't get me wrong. There's definitely some coaches that understand that, you know, when they were playing, like, I wish I had a, a psychologist or, a um, you know, an SNC coach to help me. But I think too often than not, you, you get the, this is how we used to do it. This is how we do it now. And this is what leads to success. And that, that leads to a very slippery slope, right. um, of, of the support that the teams and players get. So definitely a lesson to be learned there as well. So that's some of the practical infrastructure that you're really sort of helping to guide and build into esports athletes, I guess, teams or, or team houses and groups is things like a strength and conditioning coach, things like a team psychologist, a nutritionist. Um, what are the uh, some of the, you know, the actual like physical material um, facilities that you're also getting them uh, to maybe build in or, or have in, in these team houses as well as you know, what is, what is the monitoring of that, uh, look like? What are sort of the ins and outs of that? I mean, with, with COVID obviously being, um, present for quite a long time now, the kind of physical location side of things has been less so in, in, in my own practice. And I think in a lot of teams practices, and I know there's, um, there's quite a few teams now that will do boot camps where they have everyone together and we'll have some sort of implementation of a health and wellness program. Um, but, I think having a physical location is really, really important as well. Um, and it's something that we have, like we do a lot of remote coaching at, at the moment, Sean, and like, it's great. And don't get me wrong. I think it's, it's wonderful that teams are considering even doing it and, and getting that support, but there's nothing like face to face and having someone there full time. And, uh, it's yeah. something that needs to be taken from traditional sports is not having these. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm guilty of this and we're guilty of this as well is like, not having like one-off things, it needs to be permanent. It needs to be in place. And too often than not, it's, it's more, you get requested for things when something goes wrong. 
Uh, and it's like, right, let's put the fire out as quick as we can. And then when the fire doesn't get put out, then it's like, well, you haven't done your job. It's like, well, I mean, you, you gave me three weeks to, to fix a problem that might take a year um, because of the team dynamic that you have. Um, and then that's, that's another issue as well, is I think if you are going to work with a team or go and work with a team, it's really important that you clearly state the kind of expectations of, of when and what you want to achieve and saying like, you know, if, for example, if you're bringing a psychologist in, um, and I've worked with a few psychologists that, that have had this problem where they go into a team and that team's like, right, Jimmy doesn't work with James. It's not working out. They don't communicate with each other. We've got a tournament in a week, fix it. It's like, well, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And this is something that will take six months, maybe a year to fix and get everyone on the same page. And right. I think the fact that if you look at the kind of LEC finals recently with, with Rogue and Mad Lions, you have two excellent psychologists at the top of the kind of um, performance program leading uh, the kind of health and wellness of the team. And, you know, both those teams made it to the final. I mean... <laughs> Is, is, is that coincidence or is there, you know, a kind of testament to the fact that by implementing uh, a performance routine and, and looking after the kind of, you know, the psychological aspect, but also the physical aspect of well, as well, like that has, you know, carry over into a successful team over the long run. Um, and yes, obviously talent comes down to it as well, but talent only lasts so long until you, you know, you can't actually play because you burnt out or you have some sort of injury from not managing it properly. Yeah. Right. And sorry, um, what the LSC is, LEC, so the League of Legends um, final uh, right. with uh, Rogue and Mad Lions. Yeah, both so yeah, the, team, team yeah, based. Yeah, team team based um, game, and yeah, the two psychologists there are absolutely fantastic. Um, and it's, it's great to see that for for us to, to be when you when you go and talk to games and be like, well, you know, there's a reason why the two most successful, well, at the moment, League of Legends teams there are um, doing well. <laughs> so. That's, that's always nice to hear. But yeah, definitely come back to your question, Sean. There definitely needs to be more physical locations for teams uh, and people like full-time in the team. Um, it's interesting because I was actually having this conversation a couple of days ago with a practitioner uh, around, uh, I don't know if it's rugby or football, but when footballers will go away from the team and go and work with their own practitioner, uh, and I'm shooting myself in the foot here, but... Um, <laughs> in the sense that you have a, like a, a program in place or the team has a, a performance program in place and you have your kind of like periodization of what you're going to do and when you do it and what your players are doing. And then like a player says on the weekend to a trainer, oh, I want to go and do something with you. And then like their, their program completely goes out the window. Right. Um, and that's why I think it's really important to have like a set schedule and not doing it like, like just you know, around the, like one offs and doing it here. And that's really important to have a clear plan in place and when you're doing and what you're going to do. Um, great. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, you're saying that, especially these older coaches who are now, um, who used to be athletes who are now, you know, trying to give that mentoring role uh, and provide that education, I guess, for health and wellness, uh, and those habits. Um, you see a lot of, I guess, esports events and things still connected, um, to not, I don't know, particularly healthy practices. You, you wouldn't sort of imagine a esports company with like a gym attire sort of fitness ad. Um, but you do see a lot of energy drinks. Um, right. And that's sort of yeah. one of the things that's really associated with, with, with gamers. Um, yeah. is, is that, are there sort of, yeah, I guess you sort of noted that there are some problems with attitudes around sort of nutrition there. 
Yeah, and when it comes down to the sponsorship, sponsorship in gaming, don't quote me if I'm wrong here, I believe is the biggest kind of revenue source out there at the moment. So um, there's a reason why probably not the best brands get represented within the space to kind of move the industry forward. And um, it's definitely something coming from a health and wellness company that we uh, have a little laugh about every time a, a McDonald's partnership comes along with the team. Right. Um, so it's something that makes you laugh and it's like, wow, okay. Um, that's what they needed. <laughs> and that's what the industry needs. And like, you know, yeah. Energy drinks is another thing as well, which it seems to be, seems to be synonymous with gaming. And it's something that from the outset you would instantly, um, attach to a gamer or someone that games. And it's, it's really interesting because we've had, we, we have like a, a round table discussion every like two weeks, uh, in our discord and caffeine was one of the topics that came up and hmm. we have quite a few coaches that come on board that have worked with, um, so some professional esports, well, lots of professional esports players. And it seems even from personal experience as well, that like, especially at the top, like caffeine, isn't something that a lot of gamers have like professional gamers. It's, it's something that I think is like kind of comes from the, the, the gamer lifestyle, almost like the, you know, play games regularly, but not professionally. Um, and, and at the top, it's not really something that you see like gamers like having like a, a red ball or a monster before they play because it's just not something that they have in their routine. Like, yes, there's some right. people that do take it, but I wouldn't say it's something that is, um, a regular amongst the kind of top of the top. Um, but it, yeah, it definitely needs going back to the kind of what sort of things you see from a sponsorship perspective and maybe some, some brands that shouldn't be there. Like, you know, it's where, it's where the money is. Do you know what I mean? There's, and it's the, the amount of viewership that these top games are getting, um, it's no wonder that these kind of sponsors that aren't necessarily the most healthy, uh, are getting in this space because of that viewership and because of the opportunity to advertise to such a large audience. So the kind of smaller brands or the brands that, um, would be good for the space, uh, maybe sometimes don't get put where they should. Right. Yeah. Great. That's uh, fantastic. Um, I guess like the last question, cause I don't want to keep you too long as I know you get the meeting coming up, um, would be. What's your, what's your background connection with video games and, uh, what are you playing today? Background connection with video games, uh, is when I was, when I was very young games was always like part of my, or what I did. I think it, I think it always came back to the competitive nature. I've always loved being competitive. And I think like I grew up playing lots of sports as well. And I think like when you come home and you can't play sport cause you're knackered or whatever, you might always turn to video games. Um, and then that's, you know, kind of grown from even like an early age. I've got a picture on my, my, I think it's my discord at the moment where like game of me playing computer games at the age of like five or something. Um, <laughs> mom or dad sit you down in front of the old Macintosh yeah. or whatever PC yeah, it is at the time. Yeah. Literally. So I think it always came, came back to that. And it wasn't really something that I knew I wanted to, I didn't want to explore it from like, you know, when I went to uni, I wasn't like, all right, I'm going to go into esports. It was just something that came about. Like, I was always playing games like a lot of the time um, throughout playing sport and uh, throughout being at uni. But yeah, it was just something that when I started to kind of consider it and, and started to speak to people, um, especially Brian, my co-founder now around like the, the issues within the industry and the kind of potential to help people as well, because you know, I, I've worked in, in traditional sports and it's fantastic that you get to work with such amazing athletes who are physically and mentally at the top of their game. But when you look at, um, esports and gaming as a whole, there's a lot of room for opportunity there. And I feel like you can have quite a big impact with, 
with like what you do uh, and things that you take for granted uh, when, when you're working with traditional athletes who just just kind of know that anyway um, and just kind of do it. And you're really looking for those kind of one to two percent performance changes. Whereas with gamers, right. there's a lot of things that are very simplistic that can have such a massive benefit for them. And then you do it with them and they're like, oh my God, like, this is great. Thank you. And you're like, well, I haven't really done a lot. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not me being lazy. It's just the fact that like helping people that necessarily don't really understand like how to do it or like what I could do for them. Right. Um, and then what game am I playing at the moment? Um, Apex. So the new season's out and I haven't played it yet. So I'm going to play a game tonight, hopefully. Uh, season nine's out. So if anyone wants to play, give me a shout. Great. So get a little uh, first person shooter action happening. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, uh, thanks so much, Jamie, for, for coming on the podcast today. Not a problem. It's been an absolute pleasure, Sean. Thank you for listening to this episode of Transforming Sport. This episode was produced, written, edited, and recorded by me, Sean Heath. Special thanks this week to Anastasia Komutova and Jamie Kiff. You can find more information about Jamie's company, G-Science, and the work they are currently doing through the link in the show notes. This podcast is affiliated with the Sport and Leisure Cultures Research Group at the University of Brighton and produced at the university's Eastbourne campus. You can tweet at me at Sean Mr. Heath and the show at Transforming Sport. Again, if you have any ideas for new episodes or want to collaborate on a project, please send us a message on Twitter. You can find more information about the research group, past episodes, links to further information at our podcast home at anchor.fm slash transforming sport.